When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hi, it's Andy McDonald's there. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Premier League, Monday the 22nd of October 2018. Arsenal vs Leicester City, kick-off 8pm. Contents, the manager, the captain. Voice of Arsenal, player feature, Rob Holding. The Academy, match action, Carabag versus Arsenal. On this day, 100 reasons, tales of the century, stat of the century, Quote of the century. Match action Arsenal versus Watford. Arsenal women. Visitors Leicester City. Life at the top. Match action Fulham versus Arsenal. Teams. The head coach Unai Emery. Info born on Arabia, Spain, November the third, nineteen seventy-one. Previous clubs as manager. Loca Deportivo, Almeria, Valencia, Spartak Moscow, Sevilla, Paris Saint-Germain. Unai was speaking to Rob Kelly. The head coach has been hard at work during the international break. It was important for us to win our last game before the international break, but despite the end result at Fulham, I thought there were times in the game where we needed to do better, especially in the first half. It was the same in our last league home game against Watford, where we won, but not by controlling the game as we wanted to. We are starting the matches maybe with less intensity than we want, and it's one thing we need to get better at in the next matches, starting tonight against Leicester. We are winning, but we need to continue improving. When we win, we continue analysing the mistakes that we can improve. We need to carry on to do better in the next matches and in the next situations we are going to find ourselves in against our opposition. I think we can improve a lot. Our demands need to be very high. Our supporters can enjoy it with us, but also we are speaking with our reality every day. This is one process, to work every day and not to start saying that we have a winning mentality. We need to continue improving, continue creating in our way. The strong mentality is to show every single supporter in each minute, with each ball and each moment of the game, that we are dedicated to win with the example we show on the pitch. 
we need to give every action with that mentality. This process is very hard, very long, and this is the way to do it together. I want to make a special mention for the supporters. We are stronger with them helping us, like, for example, against Fulham. The Arsenal supporters were very good and very important for us and in every match at the Emirates. We need possession. We need to play calm. We need to improve with the ball and our progress on the pitch with passes, with the idea to score. But then, for example, with one goal we scored against Carabag, it came from a long ball. Danny Welbeck headed it on with the second action and then it ended with Emil Smith-Rowe scoring. It's for this reason we need to be competitive with different combinations on the pitch during the 90 minutes. We don't want to lose our idea and style, but our style is not about scoring in only one way. It's about different possibilities on the pitch. We need to continue working calmly. Our target now is the same as it was in the first matches. The first two matches we lost against Manchester City and Chelsea. But after winning six matches in the Premier League, it hasn't changed. We need this calmness because we beat a lot of opposition teams with poor performances. We need to stay with the best teams in the Premier League. To stay with them, we need to do better and get better at different things. The players who went away on international duty returned last week and apart from Socrates, who had a small ankle injury, they returned OK. To be honest, I prefer to play Saturday or Sunday, but playing tonight has the advantage for more time to prepare the match. That's one positive. After, we are going to play Thursday. We are going to play Sunday also, two matches very quickly after today's one. For me, it's not an excuse because we have prepared for tonight. For us, this match against Leicester has the same importance as the other matches, above all, because I think the difficulty now is to not relax. After winning six games in the Premier League, we need to continue to be demanding in each match and think about the next match as the most important. Thanks for your support, everyone. From Emery Angle Every matchday programme we provide extra insight into the life and times of our head coach. In an earlier programme, we mentioned Unai made just five substitute appearances for his local team, Real Sociedad, and scored in his final appearance. But in the soon-to-be-released authorised biography of Unai El Maestro, it's revealed just how much it meant for him to score for the team he had supported as a boy. It was against Albacete. The team was winning 5-1 when Unai came on. During one attack down the right-hand side, he ran as fast as he could and met the centre with his head. An unstoppable goal. That was a famous day. We won 8-1 and Unai scored with a header. We were on top of the world, laughs his former Real Sociedad coach Miguel Exari. Emery was so happy, he asked the Romanian Gika Krajovenu, who scored a hat-trick, if he could keep the match-ball instead of him. His request was accepted as an early leaving present. A few weeks later, Unai said goodbye to the Liga and his Basque country. You can order copies of El Maestro online now. The Captain 
Lauren Caccione. The captain is encouraged by what he's seen from the squad over the past few weeks. Our last home game was against Watford three weeks ago, and I was very pleased with the way we got the three points. They put us under pressure as we expected. They were physical and played with a lot of intensity, yet we didn't back down. We stayed solid and we forced them to make a mistake on our first goal. Mentally, we were strong, like we have been all season so far. Bern Leno made his league debut and kept a clean sheet. In a top club, it's important that when you lose a player to injury or suspension, you have a top player who can come in. We have a strong squad with three excellent keepers. After Watford, we had two away matches at Quarabag and Fulham, and we dealt so well with them. I was impressed by the way Quarabag played against us. They are a good team, and we had to stay solid and keep our philosophy. The fact that three new players scored in that game is incredible. It will give them all more confidence and will help integrate them even better in the club. Papa showed that he will be a threat on set pieces, which is great. Mateo and Emil are young and it was a special feeling for them to score their first professional goals. For Emil, coming from the academy, it's a fantastic moment that he will never forget. All the hard work he put in at youth level with the under-23s and with the first team since training with us paid off. There is still a long way to go in his career, but has been a very encouraging start. I was also really pleased for Mateo. He's a good kid. He listens, he works hard and he's been really good since joining the club. He's not scared and takes his responsibilities. His game is to demand the ball and organise our play, and he does just that. Now he needs to stay humble, keep working hard. This is the first step of his career, but there are more to come. He was a bit like me. He arrived here from a small club and no one knew him, but I've been amazed at how well he's settled here and how well he's played. Our victory at Fulham two weeks ago was our ninth in a row, which is a great achievement. Once again, we showed that physically we were very strong. After a balanced first half, Fulham tired out a bit while we stepped up another gear physically, and it made the difference. We were all over them. I thought we were outstanding in the second half. We moved the ball well, we won the challenges, and we were clinical. And for me, we also scored the goal of the season so far in the Premier League. Aaron's goal is everything from the coach wants to do and everything we work for at training. It was a perfect goal with verticality, pace, one-touch football and a great finish. Tonight, Leicester will offer a different style of football. They are the master of counter-attacking football, especially with the pace of Jamie Vardy up front. They lost Mares in the summer, but James Madison looks a great prospect to me. He's had such a big impact on the team already. I like Claude Puel too. He's a very good manager who improves his players. Look at Harry Maguire. He had a great season last year with Claude. I like how he plays, especially how he carries the ball out from the back. Last week, I announced my international retirement. It felt it was the right thing to do and the right time to do it. I'm 33 and there is a great generation coming through. I've had a great time with the France national team. I'm proud of what I achieved there, but it was time to move on. Finally, I want to say a big congratulations to Aaron and his wife for the birth of their twins. It's fantastic news. Going from one child to three in one go will be challenging for them, but they are great parents and will have a lovely family. We wish them all the happiness in the world. I would also like to wish Thierry Henry good luck in his new role of Monaco manager. It's a great opportunity. He is a real football man, passionate, with incredible knowledge, and he's ready to take this step forward. 
as an Arsenal legend, we wish him to have a managerial career as great as the one he had as a player. Laurent Grigioni, born Toulf, France, September 10th, 1985, joined Arsenal from Lorient on July 2nd, 2010. Previous clubs, Guincom, Tours and Lorient. Arsenal debut versus Liverpool away in the league, August 15th, 2010, drew one all. First Arsenal goal versus Bolton Wanderers at home in the league, September the 11th, 2010, 1-4-1. Arsenal honours, FA Cup winners 2014, 2015, 2017. Community Shield winner 2014 and 2015. Laurent was speaking to Julien Lawrence. Voice of Arsenal. Lacquer leads from the front. Well done, Alexandre Lacazetti, winner of our September Player of the Month and Goal of the Month awards. The 27-year-old produced a string of impressive performances, claiming a goal and a late winner against Cardiff City before netting against Everton and Brentford. His opening goal against the Toffees, a powerful curling strike from the edge of the area, was voted by fans as our best goal over the course of the month. Lacazette also forced Craig Cathcart's own goal and assisted Mesut Ozil's finish during our win over Watford at the end of the month. He received 59% of the votes cast with Lucas Torreira and Petr Cech finishing in second and third place respectively. Lacquer's fine form also saw him nominated for the Premier League's Goal and Player of the Month awards while Unai Emery was also on the shortlist for the manager goal. Lacquer in line for half-century. Alexandre Lacazette could make his 50th appearance for us this evening. Lacquer has scored 22 goals for us in all competitions since joining from boyhood club Lyon in the summer of 2017 and is our second top scorer with five so far this campaign. Joe must go on. We'd like to send our congratulations to Arsenal Women FC manager Joe Montemuro, who has signed a new long-term contract with the club. Since Joe took over as manager in November last year, we have won the Continental Tyres Cup, reached the final of the Women's FA Cup and won 21 out of our 27 matches under his guidance, not including Sunday's match against Reading. We are currently on a six-game winning streak since the start of the 2018-19 campaign and top the FA Women's Super League, scoring an impressive 33 goals in just six games across all competitions this season. Our head of football, Raul Sanlehi, said, Joe has an outstanding track record as a manager and has made a huge impact since joining us last November. We're delighted that Joe has signed a new long-term contract with us and look forward to working with him to take the team to future success. Montemuro added, I feel honoured to have signed a new long-term contract with Arsenal. We've been working hard this year to reinvigorate the historic and special qualities of this team and to implement an attractive style of football. We are pleased that recent early season results have so far reflected the hard work. I'm working with some of the greatest female footballers in the world and with a top-class support staff. We have incredible support from the wider Arsenal Football Club and I'm really excited to continue my role. I feel at home here. We are one big family. 
tangerines to visit on Halloween. After a seventh successive home draw in the competition, Blackpool will make the trip to Emirates for the fourth round of this season's Caribou Cup. And a date has now been set. The tangerines haven't visited us since August 2010 when a Theo Walcott hat-trick and strikes from Andre Ashevin, Abu Dhabi and Muruane Chamaka secured a 6-0 win. The match will be played as follows. Arsenal vs Blackpool, Wednesday, October 31st. Venue, Emirates Stadium, kick-off 7.45pm. Tickets for the game are priced from £10 for adults and £5 for concessions. You can get yours by visiting arsenal.com. Bag it. In every domestic programme this season, kit partner Puma is giving away a classy Arsenal shoulder bag. Just answer this question to be in with a chance of winning. Who scored our winner in last season's 4-3 opening day home win over Leicester? Email your answer, including your full name and address, to programme at arsenal.co.uk or tweet at Arsenal Magazine. All entries to us by Friday, October the 26th, please. One entry per person. Sir Roger Gibbs. It is with deep regret that we learned of the death of former director Sir Roger Gibbs on Wednesday, October the 3rd, aged 83. Sir Roger joined the Arsenal board in July 1980 and served as a director for 26 years. Retiring from his position in 2006... A warm and generous character, much admired and respected by his fellow directors and all who knew him at Arsenal. Sir Roger enjoyed a distinguished career in the banking industry and was chairman of Gerrard National Discount Bank. A great lover of sport, he was also president of the Samaritz Tobogganing Club and a devoted fan of the Gunners throughout his life. Roger was also dedicated to many charitable interests and became chairman of the Wellcome Trust Charitable Foundation. His extensive charity work was recognised with a knighthood in 1994. Arsenal would like to extend sincere sympathies to Sir Roger's wife, Lady Jane, and his many friends. Flags at the ready. Keep your eyes peeled on the North Bank before kick-off and glimpse the Gunners' giant new flag. After four years of being stretched, pulled and dragged across the stadium, often in the rain, Red Action's old flag has seen better days and needed replacing. When planning the new flag, the fan group wanted fans to be involved in the design and funding. A range of new designs were voted on by almost 100,000 fans and the clear winner was a design which incorporated our classic Latin motto, meaning victory through harmony, and elements of Arsenal badges from years past. To make the flag a reality, fans were asked to contribute towards the £5,500 needed to get the design made into a 30 times 20 metre flag. After a couple of weeks fundraising and fantastic support both from individuals and other fan groups, the target was reached. The flag made its debut against Watford to great acclaim, and, weather permitting, it will be on show again tonight. Welcome John Ryder. We are pleased to welcome middleweight boxer John Ryder to this evening's game. John, an Arsenal fan from Islington, faces Andrei Sirotkin in a WBA super middleweight eliminator on August 27th. 
less than five months after stopping Jamie Cox on the Bellew vs Hayes 2 undercard at the O2 in May. We'll be speaking to John about that upcoming bout and his favourite Arsenal memories at half-time, so make sure you stay in your seats. From pitch to stage, local fans might like to know of a new production by the Long Lane Theatre Company. From Tuesday, October the 30th until Sunday, November the 4th, Upstairs at the Gatehouse in Camden will be hosting The Giant Killers, which follows the inspiring story of Darwin FC, a ragtag bunch of Lancashire mill workers who defied all odds to become the first working-class team in the country to play in the FA Cup. Directed by West End director Andrew Loudon, you can find more information at www.longlanetc.com. The Rock of Gibraltar. Congratulations to big Arsenal fan and Arsenal Gibraltar member Roy Cipollina, who wrote his name into the country's history over the recent international break. Roy captained Gibraltar to their first ever competitive win, a 1-0 victory away against Enrique Mkhitaryan's Armenia. Roy's cousin, Joseph, scored the only goal in that game and also netted the winner as Gibraltar came from behind to beat Liechtenstein 2-1 last Tuesday. Premier League table. First, Manchester City. Played 8-1-6, drawn 2, lost 0, 4-21, against 3, goal difference 18, points 20. Second, Chelsea. Played 8-1-6, drawn 2, lost 0, 4-18, against 5, goal difference 13, points 20. Third, Liverpool. Played 8-1-6, drawn 2, lost 0, 4-15, against 3, goal difference 12, points 20. Fourth, Arsenal. Played 8-1-6, drawn 0, lost 2, 4-19, against 10, goal difference 9, points 18. Fifth, Tottenham, played 8-1-6, drawn 0, lost 2, 4-15, against 7, goal difference 8, points 18. Sixth, Bournemouth, played 8-1-5, drawn 1, lost 2, 4-16, against 12, goal difference 4, points 16. Seventh, Wolves, played 8-1-4, Drawn 3, lost 1, 4-9, against 6, goal difference 3, points 15. 8th, Manchester United, played 8-1-4, drawn 1, lost 3, 4-13, against 14, goal difference 1, points 13. 9th, Watford, played 8-1-4, drawn 1, Lost 3, 4, 11, against 12, goal difference minus 1, points 13. 10th, Leicester City, played 8, 1, 4, drawn 0, lost 4, 4, 14, against 12, goal difference 2, points 12. 11th, Everton, played 8, 1, 3, drawn 3, lost 2, 4-13, against 12, goal difference 1, points 12. 12, Burnley, played 8-1-2, drawn 2, 
lost four, four, ten, against twelve, goal difference minus two, points eight. Thirteenth, Brighton, played eight, one, two, drawn two, lost four, four, nine, against thirteen, goal difference minus four, points eight. Fourteenth, Crystal Palace, played eight, one, two, drawn one, lost five, four, five, against nine, goal difference minus four, point seven. Fifteenth, West Ham, played eight, one, two, drawn one, lost five, four, eight, against thirteen, goal difference minus five, point seven. Sixteenth, Southampton, played eight, one, one, drawn two, lost five, four, six, against fourteen, goal difference minus eight, points five. Seventeenth, Fulham, played eight, one, one, drawn two, lost five, four, nine, against twenty-one, goal difference minus twelve, points five. Eighteenth, Huddersfield, played eight, one zero, drawn three, lost five, four four, against seventeen, goal difference thirteen points three. Nineteenth Newcastle, played eight one zero, drawn two, lost six, four six, against thirteen, goal difference minus seven, points two. Twentieth Cardiff City, played eight. One zero drawn two lost six four four against seventeen goal difference minus thirteen points two reported anti-Semitic and discriminatory chanting of all kinds is offensive to home and away supporters alike and will not be tolerated. If you witness any form of offensive chanting at the match, you can report it to a match day steward or use our see something say something service by texting FOUL to 67777, together with a description of the incident. We are proud of the diverse nature of our team, our supporters and wider community. Thank you for your support and enjoy the game. Text FOUL to 67777. Ref Watch, Chris Kavanagh. This evening's referee is Chris Kavanagh from Lancashire. Tonight is actually only the second time that Mr. Kavanagh has taken charge of a match involving us. He also officiated our 4-1 home win over Crystal Palace back in January, a match in which no cards were issued. Mr. Kavanagh has refereed five Premier League matches this season, showing 15 yellow cards. His full Premier League record is 21 matches, 72 yellow cards, two red cards. On this day... 1949, Arsene Wenger was born. 1963, we played our first home European match against Stavenet. 2005, Robert Pires and Thierry Henry contrived to miss a penalty against Manchester City. 2014, Lucas Podolski scored late to give us a 2-1 Champions League win over Anderlecht. Coming up, Thursday... Sporting away in Europa League. Friday, under-23s against Swansea. Sunday, Crystal Palace away in the Premier League and Arsenal women away to Bristol City in the WSL. League Champions.
1930-31, FA Cup winners. 1930-1936-1950-1971-1979-1993-1998-2002-2003-2005-2014-2015-2017 League Cup winners 1986-87-1992-93 Charity Stroke Community Shield winners 1930-1931-1933-1934-1938-1948-1949-1948-1949-1948-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1949-1
Borisov, A Europa League, September the 28th, 2017, one four two. How pleased are you with your form at the moment, Rob? Yeah, I'm pleased with the way I have come in and shown that I am ready for the team. Before the first international break, the boss pulled me into his office and said that the games will come thick and fast. We'll be playing twice a week, so he will need me to keep doing what I am doing so I will be physically ready when my chance comes. I was able to do that and fit straight in. You played along Socrates in Azerbaijan. What do you feel he has added to the team? Over the years, people have said that Arsenal have been missing a big unit at centre-half. And he is that. He's physical, powerful and has loads of experience in different leagues. So having him come in and help us has been really good for us. He's quite serious, very demanding and says things how it is. He knows what needs to happen and he just wants it done. You need people like that in the dressing room. You don't want people who will hide and worry about it the next day. You don't have time for that. You need to put things right as soon as possible. He's been in Germany and Italy and is used to different styles of football, so coming to the Premier League is a big change for him. It's faster and more physical, so I think he's still adapting to it and will only get better as he does. Tell us about your partnership with Shokran Mustafi. Me and Musti have played together a few times over the past couple of years. We get on really well off the pitch too, and that helps. We understand each other. I know he likes to be on the front foot and go into challenges, so I'm a bit of a sweeper around him. And sometimes he'll do that for me as well, so it's a good balance. We have a good understanding in that respect. You played really well against Watford in our last game here. Would you say that was your best performance of the season? Yeah, I would say so. I knew it was going to be a physical battle against Troy Deeney. I know him quite well, having had a few battles against him. And I knew Andre Gray from when I was at Bolton and played against him when he was at Burnley. They are physical, powerful centre-forwards, so we knew what sort of game we would have. We were ready and switched on straight from the start. There were a few early headers and tackles that helped to settle me and from then on I could just play the game. The team in front of you seems to be clicking as well, especially against Fulham two weeks ago. Yeah, I was watching the third goal, Ramsey's goal, from the bottom right of the pitch, with Musty where it started off. The speed we moved the ball forwards, flicking it on, cutting across, and when it went in me and Musty just looked at each other. I don't think we could believe it. It was a crazy goal. We've got players up front, like Yang and Lazetti, while Iwobi and Welbeck have been brilliant this season too. They're all competing for places, which is bringing out the best in each of them, Going forward, we look frightening. Did you talk about that goal much in the dressing room? No one has even mentioned it, to be fair. It was just a great atmosphere in the changing room afterwards, with the Spanish music on, a bit of dancing and singing. It was really good feeling around the squad. Do you feel there is a big push to take every competition seriously this season? Yes, the boss said it at the start, when we had a meeting. Whatever competition we are playing, we really go for it. We've got a strong squad in terms of depth, so he has been able to rest players as well, but whoever comes in is ready to fight for their place. The next challenge is Leicester City tonight. How do you assess the threat of Jamie Vardy? Yet obviously different to Troy Deeney. He's more on your shoulder, looking to spin in behind you for a ball over the top. So it's different, but I've played against him a few times and done okay before. We watched them play recently on the coach back from a game and I thought James Madison looked impressive, looking to get on the ball and create chances. They have got Ben Chilwell on the left as well, who is breaking through with England. He was my first roommate with the England youth teams 
Servals looked out for his progress. I dropped him a text to congratulate him. There's a good camaraderie at the moment among the England set-up, away from any club rivalry. There's a great mutual respect among everyone. Harry Maguire has also become a big part of the England set-up. Yes, and he will be on our £50 note soon, won't he? I would love to see that. He had a huge summer. Two years ago at the Euros, he was in the stands with his mates and this time he was scoring at the World Cup for England. It's a good time for English football at the moment. Does it give you encouragement on that side? Yes, it's good to see young players getting chances, but I know I have to keep going and see what happens. I'm concentrating on Arsenal first, trying to get a run in the team here, then maybe it will follow. How have you found working under Yune Emery and his coaching team so far? There are definitely demanding and intense, and that's helping us as players. We are practising game scenarios defensively and attacking-wise as well. So they are demanding, but it's improving us all as players individually. It's intense, but there is a great sense of humour in the group as well. You see people like Lacazette and Aubameyang, with their bromance that they've got going. There's a great atmosphere in the team, but we know when it's time to work and when we can have a breather and relax. Everyone is getting along really well at the moment. Finally, Danny Welbeck told us recently that he's going to start his coaching badges soon. Is that something you have thought about? Yes, I'm going to start the courses this year. I spoke with Danny about it the other day because they were looking for an extra person on the course. He is really interested in it, so I will speak to him more about it. There are lots of benefits to it, not just for after your career. It also helps on the pitch, talking and communicating. If you are more used to doing that as a coach, instructing people should become second nature and you can take it into your game. Words, Andy Exley. Stars of the future, Arsenal Academy. In every programme this season, we take an in-depth look at the Arsenal youth teams, profiling our young guns and bringing you all the latest news and match reports. By Lambrus Lambrew, Aidan Small and Nick Brumsack. Young Gun, Mark McGuinness. Match Report, Unbeaten Run Continues. Remember, Ignacy Mikel, Internationals, Young Gunners on National Team Duty. Young Gun, Mark McGuinness, born Slough, January the 5th, 2001. School, Chalfont Community College, Gerrard's Cross. Weight and height, 6 foot 4, 88 kilos. Joined at under 11 level, 2012. Position, central defender. To say that last season was a hit and miss for me is putting it mildly. It was quite frustrating as I suffered a calamity of injuries after starting my first year as a scholar quite well. Around August last year I tore my quad which took about five months to properly heal. Then in winter I tore a muscle in my shoulder. It was very frustrating for me, especially the quad injury. With the under-16s I'd been used to playing every minute of every game. I was hoping that would continue once I stepped up to under-18s and in the end, after the injuries, my game time was so limited that I only played in one match. I look back on last season as a learning experience. When I suffered the shoulder injury, I spoke with our sports psychologist who encouraged me to take up other sports and hobbies and spend time with family and friends. 
With the first injury, I was getting frustrated spending time in the gym and not on the grass, and it was difficult for me mentally. With the second injury, I started playing more golf and also started playing the piano, and that helped me see the bigger picture. It worked fantastically, and I also got my handicap down to 10. Also, although golf worked to take my mind off football and relieve the personal pressure, which helps physical recuperation, I found that it helped me in other ways too. Golf can be very frustrating because a lapse in concentration can lead to a nightmare on the course, so you have to develop your powers of concentration to succeed. At the start of this season, I had a minor setback and missed the first two games, but since then, I've played four on the bounce. I'm getting my confidence and touch back now. I have stopped growing now at six feet four, which is tall enough, I think. I've worked on a number of aspects of my game. My heading was always good, but now I think it's one of my super strengths. I enjoy the physical side of the game. I'm most comfortable playing against big Troy Deeney-type strikers, but have developed strategies for the smaller, nippier guys with a low centre of gravity. The agility and acceleration work we do in training has helped massively, but it's also about being clever and giving yourself a little bit of room. We have a new head coach in Ken Gillard after Kwame Ampadu left to join Thierry Henry, as his assistant at Monaco. Ken was Kwame's assistant, and like Kwame, he's able to find the balance between having a laugh with the lads and cracking down and getting work done. It has been seamless, really, because their management style is so similar. Kwame announced his plans when we were all in the gym. It happened quite quickly, really. He explained that it was a great opportunity for him and his family, and how much he had enjoyed working with us. He then sat down with each of us individually with words of advice and encouragement, which was nice. We all wish him well, as he is a fantastic coach and person. Q&A. Who got you into playing football? My dad. First memory of football? Playing for my older brother's team when I was eight. Which team did you support as a child? Arsenal. Best friend in football? Smudger, Matt Smith. Biggest influence on your career? My dad. Another sport I'm good at is... Tennis. What's your favourite training drill? Heading. Most talked to person on WhatsApp? My brother. Best moment of your career so far? Winning Future Cup, playing for my country. Around the academy. Who's never late? Harry Clark. Who's got the best skills? Sevilla Amici. Who's got the best passing range? Matthew Smith. Best passing range? Zach Swanson. Who would you trust the most with a penalty? Tyrese John Jules. Who's the most committed? Jordan McKenniff. Who's the strongest? Fonte Dela Campbell. Who's captain material? Me. Who's the funniest? Flo Balogun. Who's the most confident? Trey Coyle. Who's better than they think they are? Daniel Barden. Who's the best singer? Xavier. Info. Phone. iPhone 7 Plus. Favourite footballer? Gerard Peake. The best trophy to win in football is? World Cup. Fave console? 
PS4. The best social media platform is Instagram Mark McGuinness. My ideal holiday destination is Caribbean. Favourite TV series is Ballers. The best thing about being at Arsenal is the great staff and players. The player I look up to most is Per Matasaka. My ideal cheat meal is pizza. On my days off, I usually play golf. Something not many people know about me. I used to be number one in my county for tennis. Premier League Under-18 Cup, Saturday, September the 29th, West Bromwich Albion Training Ground. West Brom Under-18, nil. Arsenal Under-18, nil. Our Under-18s kept their fourth clean sheet of the season so far. Oconquo made a number of stunning saves. Balogun was lively throughout. Our under-18s kicked off their Premier League Cup campaign with a nil-nil draw against West Bromwich Albion. We started out on top, but it was the Baggies who were gifted the game's first golden opportunity. Arthur Oconquo played a wayward pass out from the back, allowing Morgan Rogers a clear shot at goal, but our goalkeeper was quick to react and make amends for his error. Flo Balogun then fired wide from the right side of the box, before Oconquo bravely rushed off his line to make a sweeping clearance. Following the break, Matthew Smith played a stunning 50-odd pass over the opposition's defence and into the feet of Balogun, but the 17-year-old's right-footed effort was denied by Albion's debutant keeper, Josh Griffiths. Rogers had two late chances to seal all three points for the hosts, but our defence did just enough to keep a clean sheet against a physical baggy's side. This result means that we're sitting second in Group D, trailing group leaders Everton by two points. Playing for Arsenal were Oconquo, Daly Campbell, Ogumgo, Smith, Spencer Adams, McGuinness, Clark, Musa, Cottrell, substituted by Martin in the 87th minute, Greenwood, Balogun. Subs not used were Hine, Swanson, Alibiosu, Flaherty. Premier League 2, Monday, October the 1st, Holmes Park. Leicester under-23s, 1, scored by Wright in the 30th minute. Arsenal under-23s, 2, scored by Amoli in the 20th minute and Burton in the 61st minute with a penalty. We are unbeaten in six PL2 fixtures. Leicester City fielded a number of first-team stars. 17-year-old Saka impressed once again. We climbed up to second in the Premier League 2 table as we ran out 2-1 winners over an experienced Leicester City side. We started on the front foot and were quick to create a number of half-chances. Daniel Ballard's looping header was claimed well by Eldin Jakapovic before Tyrese John Jules' first effort went narrowly over the bar. We continued to apply pressure on the Foxes though and in the 20th minute... Toby Amoli opened the scoring from a well-worked set-piece. Robbie Burton received the ball on the touchline and delivered a chipped pass into the box where Amoli was waiting to apply the finishing touch. Moments later, Leicester's Callum Wright checked in on his right foot and fired over the crossbar before John Jules found himself through on goal but couldn't finish past the onrushing Jakubovic. With 15 minutes remaining of the first half, however, 
Wright picked up the ball inside the box and delivered a curling right-footed effort into the top corner. Bakayo Saka then raced through on goal and looked set to restore our lead before the half-time whistle, but his driven effort was kept out by the Foxes' goalkeeper. Following the break, it was the hosts who started stronger. Bola was forced into a stunning last-ditch tackle on Josh Knight before Fuseni Diabate's dipping free kick almost snuck past Dayan Ilyev. The Foxes continued to push forward in numbers, but we remained a threat on the break and following a darting run into the box, Bola forced a foul and handed us the opportunity to restore our lead. Burton stepped up from 12 yards and made no mistake. The home side threatened right up until the final whistle, but our defence stood strong enough to extend our unbeaten run to six PL2 fixtures. Playing for Arsenal were Ilyev, Plagazuela, Bola, Emoli, Ballard, Medley, Olayenka, substituted by Smith in the 86th minute, Burton, Coyle, Saka, substituted by Thompson in the 77th minute, and John Jules, subs not used, Olowu, Hein, Bulligan. Under-18, Premier League, Saturday, October the 6th, London, Coney. Arsenal, under-18s, 2. West Ham, under-18s, 1. Scoring for Arsenal were Balogun in the 7th minute and Rahati in the 83rd. For West Ham, it was Elise in the 83rd minute. Balogun scored his 5th under-18 PL goal of the season. Lopez and Musa threatened. Substitute Flaherty scored the winner. Our under-18s picked up their third consecutive lead victory as they beat West Ham United 2-1 at London Coney. Summer signing Joel Lopez helped to create the first golden opportunity with a storming run down the left wing to pick out Yunus Massa, who beat his marker, shifted the ball onto his right foot and fizzed an effort narrowly past the post. We continued to play our free-flowing football from back to front and in the seventh minute we opened the scoring through Flo Balogun. Following a good spell of possession, Trey Coyle picked out the 17-year-old inside the box who took a touch and found the bottom right corner with a left-footed finish. Bailey Spencer Adams' looping header then sailed wide of the post from a set-piece routine, while at the other end, Madhu Diallo slipped inside the six-yard box and failed to convert for the visitors. The Gunners dominated the game throughout the opening 45 minutes, but just three minutes into the second half, the Hammers drew level. Rosario Longello tried his luck from a tight angle and called Arthur Oconquo into action, but he could only parry the ball into the feet of Aji Alessi, who was left with the simple task of firing home. It looked as if the visitors had done just enough defensively to secure a share of the spoils, but with seven minutes remaining, Matthew Smith played a defence-splitting pass into the path of Vontae de la Campbell, who picked out Stan Flaherty with a lofted cross. The substitute wriggled free inside the box and delivered a thumping header into the bottom left corner, meaning we remained just a point behind league leaders Tottenham Hotspur. Playing for Arsenal were Oconquo, Daly Campbell, McGuinness, Spencer Adams, Lopez, Smith, Clark, substituted by Swanson in the 68th minute, Musa substituted by Cottrell in the 86th minute, Greenwood, Coyle, Balligan, substituted by Flaherty in the 80th minute. 
Subs not used were Hoyn, Alabioso. Checker trade attendance record. We return to checker trade trophy action away at Cheltenham Town next Tuesday, but it's another of our Group E opponents we're focusing on here. Coventry City, who we beat 3-0 back in September, hold a competition record along with Oxford United. When the sides met in the 2017 final, 74,434 fans flocked to watch the match at Wembley Stadium, a record crowd. Seven young gunners on target. Twelve of our academy players were called upon by their nations during the recent international break, with seven getting on the score sheet. Rhys Nelson scored a stunning backheel for England under-21s in their 7-0 win over Andorra. He also assisted the final goal of that game, before curling home a 30-yard free kick in their 2-0 win over Scotland, as England ensured they qualified for next year's European Championship in style. Daniel Ballard was once again Northern Ireland under-21s hero, heading a last-gasp winner in Iceland. The same 1-0 scoreline saw off the challenge of Slovakia a few days later, enough to ensure Ian Barraclough's side finished second in their Euro 2019 qualifying group, though they missed out on a playoff place. Joe Willock and Eddie and Kitia were on target for England under-20s as they defeated Italy 2-1, and Kitia broke the deadlock before Willock doubled their advantage from the penalty spot and Kitia struck again in their 1-1 draw with the Czech Republic, with Willock an unused substitute. Elsewhere, Emil Smith-Rowe scored and assisted for England under-19s as they ran out 4-1 winners over Portugal. Our 18-year-old midfielder then went on to play the entirety of their 6-2 win over Macedonia. Tyrese John Jules converted from the spot in England under-18's 4-0 win over Sweden at St George's Park before scoring a 71st-minute equaliser against the Czech Republic in a game England eventually won on penalties. Bokeo Saka, Follerin Balogun and Vonte Deli Campbell were all involved in both of these fixtures, while Arthur Nkonkwo featured against Sweden. Finally, Sam Greenwood scored in England under-17's 3-1 win over the USA before scoring and assisting twice in a 3-1 win over Brazil. Yunus Massa featured in both fixtures. The Academy alumni Ignacy Miguel Tracking down a former Academy player as they make their mark elsewhere in professional football. This evening's game will be especially poignant for Ignacy Miguel, who spent a season on loan at Leicester during his time with us. A talented, versatile defender, Iggy, as he was affectionately known, joined us in 2008 from Cornella, having previously represented Barcelona as a boy. Iggy quickly rose through the ranks, becoming reserve captain en route to making his first team debut in a 1-1 FA Cup draw at Leighton Orient during the 2010-11 season. His Premier League bow came at the start of the following campaign, in a 2-0 home defeat to Liverpool and, after establishing himself in our League Cup side, he also made a first Champions League appearance when replacing André Santos at Olympiacos. Iggy's most memorable moment in an Arsenal shirt 
came when he scored against Coventry in the League Cup at the beginning of the 2012-13 season. The defender spent the 2013-14 season on loan with tonight's opponents, making 12 appearances in all competitions and helping Leicester to win the championship. A short permanent spell with Norwich City followed before Iggy returned to his native Spain, where he has stints with Ponferradina and Lugo. He is currently at Getafe in La Liga, having featured regularly for Malaga last season. Match action. Quarabag versus Arsenal. Thursday, October the 4th, 2018. Kick-off, 17.55 at the Olympic Stadium in Baku. Europa League, attendance, 63,412. Away fans, 570. The final score, Quarabag, nil, Arsenal, three. Match stats. For Arsenal, total shots, 12. Shots on target, four. Corners, six. Offside, six. Fouls, nine. Possession, 47%. For Quarabag, uh, total shots 14, shots on target 4, corners 4, offsides 1, fouls 9, possession 53%. The referee on the day was David Massa. The scorers for Arsenal were Socrates in the 4th minute, Smithrow in the 53rd and Gwen Duzzi in the 79th. The first half, it was a fast start for the Gunners on their first ever trip to Azerbaijan and only 4 minutes were on the clock when defender Socrates opened the scoring. Nacho Monreal headed a corner goalwards and Socrates managed to divert it past the goalkeeper from close range for his first goal for the club. Unai Emery lined his side up in a 3-4-3 formation and, despite taking an early lead, were often exposed to the hard-working hosts in an intimidating atmosphere in the Olympic Stadium. But twice, goalkeeper Bernd Leno made excellent saves to preserve our lead at the break. The second half, Arsenal reverted to a back four for the second half and soon doubled the advantage. The impressive Alex Awobi set up his fellow Hale End Academy graduate, Emile Smith-Rowe, on the counter. And the 18-year-old raced to before finishing acutely through the keeper's legs. It was the England Youth International's first senior goal on his first Europa League start. Arsenal were now well in control and sealed the win with a third goal late on. Matteo Guendouzi was also celebrating his first ever strike for the club, picking up an Alexandra Lacazette pass on the edge of the area and firing low into the corner at the end of another breakaway. Further chances came and went, but the Gunners had done more than enough to secure three points from this long trip across the continent. The previous time three Arsenal players scored their first goals for the club in the same game was against Shrewsbury in September 2011. Since the start of the season, 20 different players have scored for Arsenal in the Europa League. And Arsenal have lost just one of the last 16 group stage games in European competition. They've won 12 and drawn three. Quarabag, the team, De Silva, Medvedev, Husimov, Snanenac, Aguli, Marcus Madeira, Kuerev, Maratau, Udzebik, Zubir and Emigara. Substitutes, Hal Dawson, Mamadov, Stavchev, Abdulev, Delage, Weznov and Diniev. For Arsenal, Leno, Holding, who got a yellow card, Socrates, 
Monreal, who was replaced in the 46th minute by Torreira. Lichtsteiner. Gwenduzi. Elneny. Kolasinac. Smith-Rowe, replaced in the 65th minute by Ozil. Welbeck and Iwobi, replaced in the 71st minute by Lacazette. Substitutes, Bellerin, Lacazette, Ozil, Torreira, Mustafi, Martinez, Zaka. One hundred consecutive years in the top flight. On this day, Arsenal one, Manchester City nil. Premier League, Saturday, October the twenty second, two thousand and five. Where to start with this game? Before the match, Highbury Roses won to witness the passing of the leading goal scorers Batten, well, a commemorative silver cannon, between Ian Wright and Thierry Henry. The Frenchman had gone past Wright's 185 goal tally in Arsenal's previous match against Sparta Prague. And when Robert Pires scored from the penalty spot on 61 minutes after Henri had been fouled by Manchester City keeper David James, Highbury welcomed another significant milestone. It was our 500th goal in the Premier League at our famous old stadium. Despite struggling in the top flight, they eventually finished 15th, just three places above the relegation zone. Stuart Pearce's City had been a tough nut to crack and it was perhaps ill-advised to try and double our lead with what has become one of the most notorious penalties in English football history. This time, Stephen Jordan fell Dennis Bergkamp, and when Pires stepped up to take the kick from 12 yards, supporters waited for James's net to ruffle once again. But Pires and Henri had decided to reenact a famous penalty execution by Johan Cruyff and Jesper Olsen during an Ajax game in 1982. A stunned crowd watched the latter run onto a Cruyff pass from the penalty spot, draw the keeper, and pass back to Cruyff, who tapped in for an unconventional but perfectly legal penalty. On this occasion, Pires's forward pass to the onrushing Henri was scuffed and City were awarded a free kick. Red current faces all round. We could so nearly have paid the price but for a marginal offside to rule out a late Darius Vassell equaliser. Despite City's Danny Mills branding the penalty incident disrespectful, it's now looked back upon as yet more glorious colour in a final season at Highbury that was to end in high drama and ultimately joyous scenes on an unforgettable afternoon against Wigan Athletic seven months later. One hundred consecutive years in top flight. One hundred reasons to love Arsenal. We know there are far more reasons than that, and every supporter will have their own favourite, distinctive aspects of the club that makes them feel especially proud to be a gunner. But to mark our hundred years of top flight football, we've picked out a century of such reasons. We'd love to hear your own, though. Tell us via Twitter using hashtag reasons to love Arsenal. 19. The famous back four. Lee Dixon, Nigel Winterburn, Tony Adams and Steve Bold. A defensive line drilled with almost military precision by George Graham in the late 1980s and 1990s. The four of them had an almost telepathic understanding, especially when it came to playing with the offside trap, 
and was the bedrock of the 1989, 1991 and indeed the 1998 title-winning sides. Between the four, they played 2,244 times for Arsenal. 20. The Battle of Highbury. The name given to the friendly between England and Italy at Highbury back in November 1934. Arsenal contributed a record seven players to the starting six of the national team, namely Frank Moss, George Mayle, Eddie Hapgood, Wilf Copping, Ray Bowden, Ted Drake and Cliff Baston. England triumphed 3-2 in a bad-tempered match over the newly crowned world champions. The tackles and challenges flew in throughout the game, with players suffering injuries on both sides. But Drake's first half goal proved the winner, despite a second-half comeback from the Italians. 21. The Boardroom We had to leave a lot behind us when we left Highbury for Emirates Stadium in 2006, but not the boardroom. It was moved. Canadian walnut panelling and all, to be installed in the Highbury House offices where it is still in use today. The table and the chairman's chair, with its five legs, are all original. 22. Clapping all four stands. A tradition since Herbert Chapman's days as manager. When the Arsenal players take to the field immediately prior to kick-off, they assemble near the halfway line and turn to applaud the fans in all four stands of the stadium as a gesture of thanks and appreciation to those who have paid to watch the side play. Tales of the Century 100 consecutive years in the top flight Defining seasons The threat of relegation 1972-73 to 73. Arsenal historian John Sperling selects 19 defining seasons and events from the Gunners' 100 years at the top First The photographs with this report have the following captions. Bertie Mee waves goodbye at the end of the 1975-76 season. A very young Frank Stapleton with Arsenal transfer target Man City's Dave Watson. Terry Mancini with Leicester's Chris Garland. He said, I knew I was no world beater. It was an era that saw Charlie George depart and Alan Ball arrive. And lastly, a 17-year-old David O'Leary is challenged by QPR's Dave Webb in 1976. O'Leary quickly developed into an integral part of the team. Back to the story of 1972-73. Despite the possibility of a second league and FA Cup double in rapid succession, Arsenal lost in the FA Cup semi-final at Hillsborough to shock winners Sunderland and after a poor finish to the league season, finished as runners-up to Liverpool in 1972-1973. The fallout was, by Arsenal standards, catastrophic. Manager Bertie Mee decided to sell inspirational skipper Frank McClintock to QPR in the summer and the Scot admitted, Bertie Mee broke my heart. His departure accelerated the Gunners' decline. As Britain entered an era of power restrictions, the three-day week and glam rock, Arsenal would face only relegation scraps and premature cup exits. The Gunners ended the 73-74 season in 10th place and striker Ray Kennedy moved to Liverpool in the summer as Bill Shankly's final signing at the club. It was a damaging public relations exercise. 
Liverpool went on to dominate the rest of the 1970s, with Kennedy playing a starring role. North Bank hero Charlie George departed to Derby County a year later, and by then, Arsenal were in the relegation mire. Arsenal still had the stellar talent of World Cup winning midfielder Alan Ball, but by his own admission, the team's tactics never fully suited his style. He explained, Arsenal still favoured the long ball to Radford and Kennedy, but I liked the ball to my feet. I played reasonably well as Highbury and scored a few goals, but I didn't make the impact anyone would have liked, because I often felt like a square peg in a round hole tactics-wise. Had it not been for the goal-scoring abilities of former Manchester United striker Brian Kidd, who netted 30 league goals during his two seasons at Highbury, the relegation trapdoor might even have opened. The mid-70s were a dangerous place for fallen giants. Manchester United plummeted into Division 2 in 1975, and Tottenham followed a year later. Arsenal were linked with a raft of English football's leading lights, including Sunderland winger Dennis Tuart and West Ham midfielder Trevor Brooking. But none of those players made the move to N5, as crowds at Highbury occasionally fell below the 20,000 mark. Instead, a modest outlay of £25,000 brought in QPR veteran and honorary Irishman Terry Mancini. Me justified the signing and his decision not to move for central defender Dave Watson on the grounds that signing the Sunderland ban, in his words, would have blocked the progress of David O'Leary. We needed a short-term stopgap to play alongside Peter Simpson while David was allowed to develop in the reserves. Mancini arrived in October 1974 with the team mired in the bottom three. He said, I knew that I was no world-beater and that under normal circumstances I'd never have been an Arsenal player. But I quickly realised that my main role at Arsenal was to act as a mentor for David O'Leary. His most important intervention for the club came with just four games left of the 1975-76 campaign in a home match against fellow relegation strugglers Wolves when Mancini connected with a corner to nod home a vital winner in a 2-1 victory. Arsenal avoided relegation that season by six points, having survived by just four in the previous campaign. Mancini reflects... David O'Leary was now firmly established in central defence, where he remained for about a hundred years. But the manager who gave O'Leary his break had resigned. Once Arsenal's first division status had been confirmed in April 1976, me told the players that he wouldn't be with them for the following campaign. He said, I was tired and mentally drained. It needed a fresh face to take the club forward. I was finding it harder to motivate those around me. At the same time, I blamed the increasing amount of money in football and the increasing affluence of footballers. But it was also down to me, as me informed journalists. The pressures on an Arsenal manager are sometimes intolerable. There was civil unrest in those uncertain weeks that followed me's resignation and the club announced that leading scorer Brian Kidd would sign for Manchester City for £100,000. Alan Ball and Terry Mancini lobbied the players to give their backing to coach Bobby Campbell to become the new manager. 
There was a strong rumour that Milian Milanovic, the Yugoslavian boss of Spanish giants Real Madrid, was on his way to Arsenal. The media speculation was unfounded, and the Gunners' board turned instead to former skipper and Tottenham manager Terry Neal. Soon, he'd sign Newcastle United's talismatic striker Malcolm McDonald for an eye-catching £333,333.33 and maverick midfielder Alan Hudson from Stoke City. Yet the fulcrum of the side for the next few years would be the youthful Irish triumvirate of O'Leary, midfielder Liam Brady and striker Frank Stapleton. A new breed of gunner had arrived to propel Arsenal forward and the era of the London Irish was about to begin. Stat of the century. 100 consecutive years in the top flight. Every Premier League game we choose an iconic stat from our 100 years in the top flight and develop the detail behind it. This time, 14 consecutive wins. Arsenal won 14 consecutive top flight games between February 10th, 2002 and August the 18th, 2002 inclusive. Arsenal scored 31 and conceded just six. Eight of the games were at home and six were away. The run swept Arsenal to the Premier League title in 2001-2002. At the time, it was the longest winning run in the history of the English top division. The run ended with a two-all draw at West Ham, but Arsenal didn't lose until October 19th away to Everton. That Everton defeat also ended a 24-game unbeaten run in all competitions. One hundred consecutive years in the top flight. Quote of the century. Arsenal have always been one of the greatest clubs in the world for me, and I still believe that. I knew Barcelona wanted me, but I never had any thoughts of going anywhere but Highbury. Dennis Bergkamp, signing for Arsenal, June the 20th, 1995. Match Action Arsenal vs Watford, Saturday, September the 29th, 2018, 3 o'clock, Emirates Stadium, Premier League, attendance, 60,019. Arsenal 2, Watford 0. The main photograph under the scoreline has the caption, The winds keep on coming. The referee was Anthony Taylor. The scorers, Cathcart in the 81st minute with an own goal and Ozil in the 83rd minute. Playing for Arsenal were 1. Czech, substituted in the 46th minute, 2. Bellerin, 20. Mustafi, 16. Holding, 18. Monreal, 11. Torreira, 34. Shaka, 10. Ozil, 8. Ramsey, substituted in the 63rd minute, 14. Aubameyang, substituted in the 77th minute, and 9. Lacazette. Substitutes were... 7. Mkhitaryan, 12. Licksteiner, 17. Iwerby, who came on in the 63rd minute, 
19 Leno, who came on in the 46th minute, 23 Welbeck, who came on in the 77th minute, 29 Ganduzi, 31 Kolasinac. Match stats for Arsenal were total shots 9, shots on target 2, corners 6, offsides 1, fouls 11, possession 63%. Playing for Watford were 26 Foster, 23 Navarro, substituted in the 84th minute, 15 Cathcart, 27 Cabaselli, 29 Holobus, 19 Ducure, 12 Capoe, 8 Hughes, 18 Pereira, 11 Gray, substituted in the 72nd minute, and 9 Dini. Substitutes were 1 Gomez, 46 Malapa, 10 Success, who came on in the 72nd minute, 11 Messina, 12 Semer, 14 Chaloba, 21 Firminia, who came on in the 84th minute. Watford's stats were total shots 14, shots on target 5, corners 6, offsides 3, foul 17, possession 37%. Number 5. Arsenal striker Alexandre Lacazette has scored in each of his last four home starts in the Premier League, netting five goals in total. First half. The first half was an even encounter, with both sides creating chances but neither able to dictate the tempo. Alexandre Lacazette had a penalty appeal turned down in the opening five minutes, then missed a one-on-one when through on goal against Ben Foster. Will Hughes and Abadoule Ducure both flashed shots wide for the visitors, who were playing with a confidence befitting a team in fourth place. They were organised defensively as well, and we didn't have a shot on target until the 40th minute when Granit Xhaka stung Foster's palms with a first-time left-foot shot from 20 yards. Second half. The first half had ended with Patracek going off with an injury to be replaced by Bernd Leno making his Premier League debut, and the German was soon making a vital intervention he got down superbly to deny Troy Deeney early in the second half, getting a strong hand to his shot and turning it round the post for a corner. Isaac's success chipped a good chance wide and it proved crucial, as moments later, Craig Cathcart diverted a low Alex Iwobi cross into his own net at the near post. Arsenal killed a game off. Soon afterwards, Iwobi and Lacazette were involved again, swapping passes before the latter teed up Masut Ozil to finish neatly. It brought up our seventh successive win. 2. Arsenal register back-to-back clean sheets in the Premier League for the first time since April. 10. Arsenal have scored 10 Premier League goals in the second half this season, a joint high tally along with Manchester City. 8. Van Leno is the 8th German to play for us in the Premier League, with Gnabry, Lehmann, Maltz, Metasaka, Mustafi, Ozil and Podolski. The action in photographs. In the hard copy, the six further photographs have these captions, clockwise from top left. Hector Bellerin puts his foot in. Danny Welbeck on the stretch. Granit Xhaka sees off Abule de Cure. Craig Cathcart puts through his own goal under pressure from Alexandre Lacazette. Mesut Ozil neatly turns home the second goal. 
the German celebrate his third goal of the season. Arsenal women, a result that rocked the women's footballing world and a new contract for its architect. Women's Super League, Sunday, October the 14th at Kingsmeadow. Chelsea 0, Arsenal 5. Little 21, Mia Demmer 38, 57. Nobbs 52, 68. Arsenal, Peril Mannion, Evans, Williamson, Bloodworth, Mitchell, Walty, Little, McCabe 64, Nobbs van der Donk, Mead, Mia Demmer. Subs not used, Van Viendal, Quinn, Samuelson, Kukin. Words, Aidan Small. Arsenal laid down a marker to their rivals by thumping defending champions Chelsea 5-0 on their own turf last Sunday. Joe Montemoro retained Pauline Perriou-Mannion in goal, with Lisa Evans and Emma Mitchell filling the full-back positions alongside Leah Williamson and Dominique Bloodworth. A dominant Leah Walty anchored the midfield again behind Kim Little and Jordan Nobbs, with Daniel van der Donk and Beth Mead flanking the red-hot Vivian Miedema up front. The hosts made a strong start and tested Perry and Mannion within the first five minutes, and the two sides traded blows until Adelina Engman brought down Emma Mitchell in the box after 20 minutes. Kim Little made no mistake from the spot to score her ninth goal in seven games for club and country. Chelsea pressed but left gaps at the back, and Mia Demmer capitalised on Little's through ball to far past Carly Telford on 38 minutes. Early in the second half, Leah Williamson made a stunning last-ditch tackle to deny Drew Spence, and moments later Nobbs made it three when her cross shot drifted over Telford. And still the Gunners weren't done, with the irrepressible Meade teeing up Mia Demmer and Nobbs to complete their doubles. P4, W4, F21, A3. The Gunners are on fire. Hashtag Joe must goon. We are delighted to announce that Joe Montemuro has penned to paper on a new long-term deal with the club. Since Joe took over last November, we have won the Continental Cup, reached the FA Cup final and won 21 out of his 27 matches, including the last nine from the back end of last season. We have also scored 33 goals in just six games this term and we look forward to scoring a lot more with Joe at the helm. Get well soon, Kim. Skipper Kim Little suffered a fractured fibula in last Sunday's game against Chelsea, our medical team have confirmed. Kim, who came off after 64 minutes having opened the scoring from the penalty spot in our 5-0 win, will now miss up to 10 weeks of action. We wish her all the best in her recovery and can't wait to see her back as soon as she is match fit. Tabia's big drive. Before the 2016 Olympics in Rio, Tabia Kemi made a promise to herself. If Germany won, she would fulfil a childhood dream and buy a VW camper van. Germany did win and Kemi kept her promise. She has since used it to drive 16 hours from Berlin to London. Find out more on the Arsenal Women Twitter page and in this issue's postergram. The Visitors, Leicester City. The Premier League champions of 2015-16 have had a mixed start to the 2018-19 campaign. While Leicester have already ascended to the Premier League pinnacle, 
they're determined not to rest on their laurels. In addition to splashing the cash in the transfer market, they've already set plans in motion for a state-of-the-art new training complex and are also keen to expand the King Power Stadium. Of more immediate interest to the club's fans, however, is to end a run of heartbreaking defeats here at Emirates Stadium. The most recent of them, a 4-3 thriller in the opening game of the 2017-18 Premier League season. City's wealthy and popular Thai owners were not afraid to support Puel in this summer's transfer market, forking out over £100 million to bring in seven new players, among them two who have immediately settled into the side. Midfield creator James Madison from Norwich and right fullback come winger Ricardo Pereira from Porto. They also resisted the reported overtures of Manchester United to sign star defender Harry Maguire, instead tying the England man to a new long-term contract. Leicester's first season with Claude Puel as manager from the outset has featured four wins, two at home, two away, and four defeats, ditto, in their opening eight league games, putting them in mid-table. Their last outing before the international break was probably their biggest disappointment to date as they were beaten 2-1 at home by Everton, a defeat that followed a run of three successive wins, including a penalty shootout success at Wolves in the Carabao Cup. A club of increased ambition since their incredible title win three seasons ago. Leicester created yet more club history with their remarkable run to the Champions League quarter-finals in 2016-17. The best performance of any English club in the competition that season and managed to finish in the top half of the Premier League last term, ending up ninth, thanks in no small part to a 3-1 win over 10-man Arsenal in their final home game. There was a widespread view that, but for that win against the Gunners, which followed a run of six home league games without a victory and an FA Cup quarter-final defeat at the King Power Stadium by Chelsea, Puel might have lost his job, one he has now held for 12 months following his arrival as the replacement for Claudio Ranieri's former assistant, Craig Shakespeare. As at Southampton, where he spent the 2016-17 season, Puel has attempted to impose a different style of play on this Leicester side, based on patient possession and control, rather than the fast, fearless, absorb-and-counter strategy of Raniera's title-winning team. The Frenchman's methods have yet to fully win over the King Power faithful, with fans split over whether he's the right man for the job. As with any manager, only results can answer that particular question. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
burrow.com slash ACAST. The breakdown. 25 not out. We are unbeaten in our last 25 home matches against Leicester in all competitions. A run stretching back to a 2-0 defeat in September 1973. Since then, we've won 19 and drawn 6 when hosting the Foxes. 2-1 to the Arsenal. Three of our last five home matches against Leicester have finished with a 2-1 home win. The most famous, of course, came on May 15th, 2004, when goals from Thierry Henry and Patrick Vieira ensured we finished the 2003-2004 season unbeaten. Our 2-1 victory on Valentine's Day 2016 won't be forgotten in a hurry either, with Danny Welbeck marking his return from a long-standing injury to head home a stoppage-time winner. The team then, the England hopefuls, number three, Ben Chilwell, born Milton Keynes, 21st of December, 96, previously with Huddersfield on loan, game 62, goals one, an accomplished young left back who starred for England's under 21s at the 2017 European finals. Ben made his senior England debut as a sub in last month's friendly against Switzerland at the King Power Stadium before impressing on his first two starts in the recent Nations League games away to Croatia and Spain. A product of the Leicester Academy, Ben's worked his way steadily into the Foxes' first eleven, and has now usurped Christian Fuchs as Claude Puel's preferred choice at left-back. Blessed with excellent technique and deceptively good in the air, his major asset is his driving runs down the left flank. Number 10, James Madison. Born Coventry, 23rd of November 1996. Previously with Coventry, Norwich and Coventry again on loan. Aberdeen on loan. Games 8, goal 3. A £22 million capture from Norwich in the summer, James has gone from being a leading attraction in the Championship to a potential start of the Premier League and, following his call-up for the recent Nations League games, a prospective England international. The gifted attacking midfielder has made a bright start to life in the top flight, looking more than fit for purpose in the Leicester number 10 shirt, with three goals, including a brilliant free kick against Huddersfield, and two assists. Although his favoured role is centrally behind the striker, the 21-year-old right-footer, has been deployed on the left of midfield in recent matches. The Predator, number nine, Jamie Vardy, born Sheffield, 11th of January 1987, previously with Stocks, Bridge Park, Steels, Halifax and Fleetwood. Games 241, goals 92. Jamie called time on a relatively brief but effective England career, 26 caps and 7 goals, following discussions with manager Gareth Southgate after the World Cup in Russia. But at 31, he remains Leicester City's talisman and in August penned a new long-term deal that will effectively see him end his career with the Foxes. The lightning-quick former non-league striker enjoyed a phenomenal 2015-16 campaign, contributing 24 goals to the club's extraordinary Premier League triumph, three of them against Arsenal, and he's continued to score freely since then, racking up another 20 goals last season, including another three against the Gunners and three more so far this term. Comes to the party. Jamie Vardy enjoys playing against us. In fact, he's scored six times in his previous six appearances in all competitions, including three last season. Expect goals. There hasn't been a goalless draw when we've hosted Leicester in the league since December 14th, 1974. We've played 20 league matches at home since then with 63 goals scored between the two teams at an average of 3.15 per game.
Curtin Razor, last season's corresponding fixture between tonight's teams, was the first of the 2017-18 season and it began with a bang. After Alexander Lacazette had marked his debut with a goal after just 94 seconds... Sinji Okazaki and Jamie Vardy responded to give Leicester the lead. Danny Welbeck equalised for us on the stroke of half-time, but Vardy added his second soon after the restart. With time running out, Aaron Ramsey and Olivier Giroud were introduced from the bench and both scored in the closing stages to give us a memorable win. The stalwart number one, Kasper Schmeichel. Born Copenhagen, Denmark, 5th of November 1986, previously with Man City, Darlington on loan, Berry on loan, Falkirk, Cardiff, Coventry on loan, Notts County and Leeds, games 304, goals nil. A Leicester player since June 2011, Casper has become a formidable last line of defence for the Foxes, emulating famous father Peter by not only winning the Premier League, but also by becoming the number one keeper for Denmark, for whom he starred in this year's World Cup. An ever-present starter for City in the 2015-16 title triumph, he also shone brightly in the club's Champions League adventure in the following season. Confident, vocal and an outstanding shot-stopper, he's likely to captain the team this evening in the absence of suspended skipper Wes Morgan. World Cup hero number 15, Harry Maguire. Born Sheffield 5th of March 1993, previously with Sheffield United and Hull and Wigan on loan. Games 52, goals 4. A superb first season with Leicester last term, in which he played every minute of the 38 league games, earned Harry a place in Gareth Southgate's England side at the 2018 World Cup. And the big Yorkshireman went on to play a significant role in taking the three Lions to the semi-finals in Russia, not least with his crucial headed goal in the quarter-final against Sweden. Tall, commanding, comfortable in possession and excellent at stepping into midfield to launch attacks. He's proved a bargain buy for Leicester at £17 million, the price they paid relegated Hull for his services in the summer of 2017. The breakdown basics, Leicester City formed 1884 as Leicester Fosse, nicknamed the Foxes Stadium King Power Stadium, Captain Wes Morgan, 2017-18 Player of the Year Harry Maguire, Owners King Power International Group, Chairman Vishay Shirada Naprabha, played for both George Armstrong, Alan Smith and Kevin Campbell and Paul Dikov and Martin Keown. Number 24, Napoli's Mendy, the new Kante, born La Seine-Sumer, France, 23rd of June 1992, previously with Monaco and Nice, games was 17, goals nil. Originally signed by Leicester as the like-for-like replacement for Chelsea-bound N'Golo Kante in the summer of 2016, Papi suffered an ankle injury on his home debut against Arsenal that ruined his debut season with the Foxes. He's been signed for a then-club record £13 million fee from Nice, where he shone under Claude Puel's management and it was to the Cote d'Azur club that he returned for a loan spell last term. Back at the King Power this season and fighting fit, he's been a revelation, adding zip and zest to the midfield in the mould of the man he was supposed to replace two years earlier. Number 31, Rashid Ghazal, the new Mares, born Dessini Chapeau, France, 9th of May 1992, previously with Lyon and Monaco, games 8, goals 2. Signed from Monaco in August on a four-year deal, Rashid is almost an identical replacement for Riyad Mahrez, sold earlier in the summer for £60 million to Manchester City, a ball-playing French-born Algerian international who likes to operate on the right wing despite being predominantly left-footed. Though less elaborately skillful than Mahrez, he's physically stronger and already has two goals to his name, one a long-range screamer in the Carabao Cup against Fleetwood, another from close range in the league against Liverpool. He also scored City 
City's crucial first penalty in last month's Carabao Cup shootout win against Wolves. Number 25, the enforcer, Wilfred Ndidi. Born Lagos, Nigeria, 16th of December 1996, previously with Genk, games 69, goals 4. A tall Nigeria international who's become a fixture at the heart of the Leicester midfield, playing every minute of the current Premier League campaign, Wilfred has established himself as one of the most reliable ball winners in England's top flight. Although his inconsistent passing and shooting arguably prevent him from acquiring the complete midfielder tag, he's still only 21 and a player of considerable potential, both for club and country. Brought in from Genk in January 2017 for £17 million, he sometimes operated as a central defender in Belgium, but has been used exclusively in midfield by Leicester. And the boss, Claude Puel, born September 2nd, 1961, Games 45. Previously with Monaco, 1999-2001, Lille, 2002-2008, Lyon, 2008-2011, Nice, 2012-2016, and Southampton, 2016-17. The sole Frenchman now managing in the Premier League, Claude will complete a year in charge of Leicester this week. A surprise appointment, despite a reasonably successful 2016-17 stint at Southampton, and an impressive CV in French football, he duly led the Foxes to ninth place in the Premier League and two cup quarter-finals. The 57-year-old spent his entire playing career at Monaco, seven of his 17 seasons in the Principality coming under Arsene Wenger's tutelage. A winner of two French League titles and three French Cups during his playing days, Claude led Monaco to the League One title in 1999-2000, his first full season as a coach. Seven up. Today's teams met no fewer than seven times during the 1974-75 season. We won 1-0 at Filbert Street in Division 1 and drew 0-0 at Highbury in the return fixture. Leicester knocked us out of the League Cup in the second round after a replay, but we got our revenge in the FA Cup winning a second replay 1-0 at Filbert Street in the fifth round. Our reward for that was a quarter-final home tie against West Ham United, which we subsequently lost. Michael Cox's scouting report. Leicester pose a different but very definite threat to previous seasons. Since their incredible Premier League title success in 2015-16 under Claudio Ranieri, Leicester have come to be regarded as a purely counter-attacking side. There are signs this season, however, that their approach has changed and Claude Puel's side are more capable of patient build-up play, allowing them to dominate matches. The major change has been the departure of Riyad Mahrez to Manchester City and the signing of James Madison as his replacement. Mahrez typified Leicester's counter-attacking with his direct dribbling from the right flank, but Madison is now the side's technical leader. He plays a different role. Fielded in the central attacking slot in Puel's 4-2-3-1 and his game is about drifting between the lines and creating chances through guile. Madison has been one of the Premier League's brightest performers so far this season, and must be watched carefully here. He's consistently shown an ability to shoot from long range, and he's a threat from set pieces too, scoring a wonderful Beckham-esque free kick against Huddersfield and assisting Harry Maguire's headed goal against Newcastle with an outswinging corner. Madison's likely to start behind Jamie Vardy, who continues to lead the line well by making well-timed bursts into the channels. He's had a disjointed start to the campaign, following a dismissal against Wolves for a reckless challenge, but otherwise has continued to shine. He's also combined well when occasionally fielded alongside a second striker, Kelechi Ihenacho. In the 3-1 victory over Huddersfield, Ihenacho 
rounded off a classic Leicester counter-attack from a Vardy pass, and then later returned the favour, allowing Vardy to dink home. Madison can move wide in a 4-4-2, with Mark Albrighton an option to start on the opposite flank, and threaten with his crossing. Damari Gray offers extra speed on the break, and Rashid Gezai seems the closest thing to his compatriot Mares. Another important signing has been Ricardo Pereira, who was signed as a right-back, yet has offered a consistent attacking threat when pushing forward from the right of midfield. He's shown an ability to cross with either foot and scored a fine goal in the 2-1 defeat to Everton last time out, roaring forward from his own half, swapping passes with Ayanacho and finishing well. On the opposite side, Ben Chilwell has been in excellent form, constantly bursting into dangerous positions from left-back, earning himself an England call-up. Leicester's midfield duo remain in very cautious defensive-minded positions. Wilfried Ndidi is a prolific tackler which and is afforded close support by Nampalis Mendy, with another option, Vincente Ibora, more ambitious with his distribution. Puel's major concern is at the heart of his defence. Captain Wes Morgan will be suspended after collecting his second red card of the season, so Johnny Evans, surprisingly overlooked by Puel thus far, will surely now become a regular alongside Maguire, who's excellent in the air and capable of pushing forward dangerously in possession. The breakdown Opta stats. Premier League season 2018-19. Premier League shots Jamie Vardy 16, James Madison 10, Demari Gray 9. Wilfred Ndidi and Harry Maguire, 8, and Ben Chilwell, 5. Premier League chances created, James Madison, 15, Ben Chilwell, 10, Kelechi Ayanacho, 9, Rashid Gezal and Ricardo Pereira, 6, Mark Albrighton, 5. Premier League passes, Wilfred Ndidi, 481, Harry Maguire, 480, Nampalis Mendy, 387, Ben Chilwell, 372, and James Madison, 346. years in the top flight. Life at the top. Arsenal has spent 100 years at the very highest level of league football in this country. But how did our players scale the heights to get to the top of their profession? We find out this time, Shkodran Mustafi. When did you first want to become a footballer? Well, that was when I reached 12. Before then, it was just playing and enjoying time with my friends. Until then, I was just going out with my friends playing. I didn't think that one day I was going to become a footballer. But when I was 12, my father decided to split me from my friends a little bit because we were hanging around too much. My father said that he wanted me to separate from all those people and said if I wanted to become a footballer one day, I had to make choices. And when I was 12, it was the first time I changed my team. I stayed at home, but I changed my team to play in the other city because they were playing one league higher than my hometown. So that was the first time that I started to think that I needed to make steps forward to become a football player one day. What was your first encounter with football? Well, that started when I was five or six. I lived in a house with a lot of people because we had my uncle and my cousins all living in one house. Most of the time, when our parents were working or whatever, we just went out to play football in our garden. Did you play any other sports? No, we were a football family. My dad played football. My uncle was interested too. There was nothing more interesting for us than football. What was the first team you played for? That was one FC Bebra. I was a striker and I used to score goals for fun. But only headers, to be honest. I got scouted as a striker when I went to Hamburg and I went there when I was 14. There I got moved into central midfield. 
but more of a defensive one, like granite, for example. Then I got called up for the national team at under-15s, and that was when the coach said, OK, I want to try you as a centre-back. So when I came back to Hamburg, they said they wanted me to play there too. I didn't mind too much. Just a few weeks before, I'd had a talk with my coach from Hamburg. We were quite close because I was the only one from my age group that came from so far away, so he looked after me. He said, I don't want to kill your dream, but you have to know that in your age group in Germany in each year, there are 200,000 or 300,000 people registered to play football and maybe four, five or six make it to the top. So you have to focus and you have to work because only with work will you improve or be one of the six. I had these numbers in my head. So if the coach had said I'd have to play right back, I'd play right back. Or if I needed to be a goalkeeper, I'd be a goalkeeper. You obviously have to trust your coaches, especially at this age, because now if a coach came to me and said you're a striker and not a centre-back, I can say that I'm 26 and I don't think so. At this age, you have to listen and trust your coach. Did you ever consider quitting the sport? The toughest time was when I moved to Liverpool to sign for Everton. It was tough because you leave your country with a lot of hopes. You obviously hope to make it through and then you never quite make it through. So it was quite difficult because when you play and everyone's telling you that you're doing good and everything's fine, no no one is telling you really what you can work on. So I was quite annoyed about always hearing that you're doing good and you're a great character, but I'm not playing. From there, I moved to Italy and in the first six months it was quite similar. But in Italy, in the first six months, I had a lot of discussions with a sporting director from Sampdoria. And he was someone that tried to explain, you're 19 and you have to be patient. And that was the first time that I'd heard that. He said it a lot of times because every time that I spoke to him, it was all about being patient and being calm, which isn't what you want to hear when you're 19. You think it's an excuse at that age, but when I started playing, everything started to make sense. I was a defender, which is a difficult position for a 19-year-old, because when I moved to them, they were in the second division and trying to get up to the first division, so it was quite a hot situation. They didn't want me to come in as a 19-year-old, make one mistake, and then the fans don't want to see you anymore. So that's why they told me to be patient. 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 And it was so annoying because I was quite close to saying, I've been patient enough, I just want to give up, go back home and quit football. I felt like I was living in a world of lies because I was there and training every day, but everything I got back was excuses and I preferred to have someone who was telling me that I've got to work on this, I've got to work on that, and not telling me that I'm doing great and progressing, but never getting the chance to play. I never thought that I was young because I left home when I was 14, so I always felt like I was a grown man, but I wasn't. But obviously now I'm 26 and I've played a lot of games, so I think that it was quite right that I wasn't playing when I was 18 or 19 because I saw football in a different way. Now everything makes sense, but at the time it was so annoying. Was there a key moment when you decided to carry on? The moment it changed was when I met this guy, Roberto Soriano, who now plays for Torino. His parents were Italian, but he was born in Germany, and at 17 he moved back to Italy. He went from Bayern Munich to Sampdoria. He helped me a lot, in the beginning because I didn't speak the language, so he helped me with that. For him, he was able to forget a bit about football. We went out and switched off. We were always together and enjoyed our time away from the sport. That was the first time I stopped putting pressure on myself, worrying about not making it, worrying about getting dropped, worrying about getting a new contract. Roberto helped me to just enjoy it, the same as I did when we were out as when we were playing. Training became more relaxed. I enjoyed it, and that was a time when everything settled down for me. I noticed a big difference in myself. Before, I was angry with myself and others, but when you enjoy it again, it makes it different. That helped me a lot. It was a real gift to have him. 
He was the total opposite of me, so chilled out, and that was what I needed. What has surprised you about being a footballer? I think the big thing is that from outside you only see the 90 minutes. You don't realise how much work is behind that. There are a lot of difficult situations to deal with outside of the 90 minutes too, when you get judged by everyone. A lot of things go around and you have to be really strong mentally, because if you aren't, you won't be happy. There will always be people who understand how you play and why stuff happens, and there will always be people who don't like you or your style or your game. You have to make sure you're strong enough to listen to the right opinions. For me, that's the coaches, teammates and my family. Also, with social media, every little mistake or every nutmeg goes everywhere around the world and you have to cope with that. Would you want your kids to go into football? For me, it's all about making the right decisions. Work out what's important for you and what you want to achieve. Then you have to live with the decisions you make. You have to have self-confidence to stand up for the decisions you make and live with the consequences. That's true both on the pitch and off it. The only difference is you get more time to think about your decisions when you're posting to Twitter compared to when you're making a tackle. Do you still love football as much now as you did as a kid? I love it as much, but I guess in a different way. Now you play not just to enjoy yourself, but to be successful. I wasn't thinking about that when I was a kid. I always wanted to win. That always stays the same, but now there is more than that comes with it, and you want to win trophies as well. Match Action Sunday, October the 7th, 2018, 12 o'clock Craven Cottage, Premier League Attendance, 25,401 Away fans, 2,892 Fulham 1, Arsenal 5 Match Stats Total shots, Fulham 21, Arsenal 9. Shots on target, Fulham 4, Arsenal 7. Corners, Fulham 4, Arsenal 2. Offsides, Fulham 4, Arsenal 1. Fouls, Fulham 11, Arsenal 12. Possession, Fulham 49%, Arsenal 51%. Congratulations Rob, 50 Arsenal appearances. Referee, Paul Tierney, Fulham scorers, Schürrle, 44th minute, Arsenal scorers, Lacazette, 29th minute, 49th minute, Ramsey, 68th minute, Aubameyang, 79th minute, 90th minute, Fulham team, number one, Bettolini, number four, Odai, number 13, Ream, substitute, 54th minute. Number 20, Le Marchand. Number 22, Christie. Number 29, Zambo Anguissa. Substitute, 62nd minute. Number 24, Seri. Number 3, R. Sesegon. Number 19, Vieto. Substitute, 83rd minute, yellow card. Number 9, Mitrovic. Number 14, Schurler. Yellow card. Substitutes number six, sixty second minute. Number eight, Johansson, eighty third minute. Number eleven, Aiti. Number twenty five, Rico. Number twenty six, Mawson. Number forty three, S. Sesignal. Number forty seven, Kamara, fifty fourth minute. Arsenal, number nineteen, Leno. Number two, Bellerin. Number 16, 
Holding. Number 20, Mustafi. Number 18, Monreal. Number 11, Torriera. Number 29, Zaka. Number 17, Iwobi. Substitute 67th minute. Number 7, Mikatarian. Number 9, Lacazette. Substitute 80th minute. Number 23, Welbeck. Substitute 62nd minute. Substitutes. Number 26, Martinez. Number 12, Lichsteiner. Number 5, Socrates. Number 4, Elneny. Number 14, Obermeyang. Substitute 62nd minute. Number 8, Ramsey. Substitute 67 minute. Number 29, Gwenduzi. Substitute 80th minute. First half. A midday kickoff meant there was a short turnaround time after the win in Azerbaijan the previous Thursday. But the game was a very watchable spectacle from the first whistle. Luciano Vieto forced bound Leno into a fine sprawling save early on. But it was the Gunners who took the lead. Alex Iwobi and Danny Welbeck combined up the left, with the latter crossing for Alexandre Lacazetti, who finished sharply at the near post. But just before the interval, Fulham equalised as Andre Schurler, who moments earlier had missed a very presentable chance, raced on to Vieto's pass and dinked the ball over Leno into an empty net. Second half. The Gunners upped the ante in the second half and soon took a firm control of proceedings. Lacazette ran on to Welbeck's headed pass and sent a brilliant snapshot into the bottom corner from outside the area. But the afternoon's highlight came with 20 minutes remaining. Within seconds of coming on as a substitute, Aaron Ramsey made it three with a fabulous flick finish at the end of a sweeping counter-attack involving five players that took the breath away. The reaction among the fans said it all. It was a special finish at the end of a special move. Fellow sub Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang added two more late goals to complete a thoroughly enjoyable day in West London. 9. Arsenal have won nine consecutive matches in all competitions for the first time since April 2015. 6. Alex Lacazette has been directly involved in six goals in five starts in the Premier League this season. 4. Goals, 2 assists. 39. Aaron Ramsey scored just 39 seconds after coming on as a substitute. Teams. For Arsenal, had coach Unai Emery. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and red and white socks. 1. Petra Cech, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 4. Mohamed Elneny. 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos. 6. Laurent Koscielny. 7. Henrik Mikatarian. 8. Aaron Ramsey. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Mesut Ozil. 11. Lukas Torreira. 12. Steven Lichsteiner. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Alexei Wobi. 18. Nacho Monreal. 19. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 20. Schroeder Mustafi. 
23. Danny Welbeck 25. Carl Jenkinson 26. Emiliano Martinez, goalkeeper 27. Konstantinos Mavrapanos 29. Matur Ganduzi 31. Seat Kolasinak 34. Granit Xhaka 49. Edian Kitia 55. Emil Smith-Rowe For Leicester City, manager Claude Puel Blue shirt, shorts and socks 1. Kasper Schmeichel, goalkeeper 2. Danny Simpson 3. Ben Chilwell 4. Kagla Soyunku 5. Wes Morgan 6. Johnny Evans 7. Demari Gray 8. Kalechi Iannaccio 9. Jamie Vardy 10. James Madison 11. Marco Brighton 12. Danny Ward, goalkeeper 14. Ricardo Pereira 15. Harry Maguire 17. Eldin Jakubovic, goalkeeper 18. Daniel Amati 20. Shinji Okazaki 21. Vincente Ibora 22. Matty James 23. Adrian Silva 24. Nepalis Mandi 25. Wilfred Ndidi 27. Fuseni Diabate 28. Christian Fuchs 31. Rachid Gazal 38. Hamza Chuduri 39. Donald Johnson Officials Referee Christopher Kavanagh Assistant Referees Dan Cook Sean Marcialis Fourth Official Jonathan Moss Coming up, Arsenal's forthcoming fixtures. Sporting CP vs Arsenal, Europa League, Thursday, October the 25th, 5.55pm kick-off. Swansea City, under-23s, versus Arsenal, under-23s, Premier League 2, Friday, October the 26th, 7pm kick-off. Crystal Palace vs Arsenal Premier League Sunday October the twenty eighth one thirty p.m. kickoff. Bristol City Women vs Arsenal Women Women's Super League Sunday October the twenty eighth three p.m. kickoff. The Arsenal Foundation helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Acronis Backup Cyber protection for your data Keep your data safe with the most secure backup www.acronis.com Future Forever Faster Humour Premier League Official Premier League app. Manage your fantasy team and receive the latest Premier League updates. Free to download. Download on the App Store. Get it on Google Play. Available at Amazon. The Gunners are green. 
Emirates Stadium is powered by 100% green electricity from Octopus Energy. Now you can get the same power for your home. Switch today to cheaper, greener energy with exclusive Arsenal prize drawers every month. Find out more online at afc.octopus.energy. Switching takes just two minutes. Octopus Energy, Arsenal official energy partner. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.